Joshua chapter number 5, verses 1 through 12. Again, thank you so much for coming out on this first Sunday of the new year, 2017. Just declaring ahead of time, it's going to be your best year yet. Just declaring it's going to be your best year yet. In spite of challenges, chaos, and crises, decide now. It's your best year yet. Victory starts with a decision. So decide now. My marriage is going to thrive. My family going to thrive. My kids are going to thrive. My money is going to thrive. I'm just going to thrive. Decide now. Joshua chapter number 5, verses 1 through 12. Now when all the Amorite kings west of the Jordan and all the Canaanite kings along the coast heard how the Lord had dried up the Jordan before the Israelites until they had crossed over, their hearts melted in fear, and they no longer had the courage to face the Israelites. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, make flint knives and circumcise the Israelites again. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the Israelites at Jebeth Haraloth. Now this is why he did so. All those who came out of Egypt, all the men of military age, died in the wilderness on the way after leaving Egypt. All the people that came out had been circumcised, but all the people born in the wilderness during the journey from Egypt had not. The Israelites had moved about in the wilderness 40 years until all the men who were of military age when they left Egypt had died since they had not obeyed the Lord. For the Lord had sworn to them that they would not see the land he had solemnly promised their ancestors to give us, a land flowing with milk and honey. So he raised up their sons in their place. And these were the ones Joshua circumcised. They were still uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. And after the whole nation had been circumcised, they remained where they were in camp until they were healed. Then the Lord said to Joshua, today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. So the place has been called Gilgad to this day. On the evening of the 14th day of the month, while camped at Gilgad on the plains of Jericho, the Israelites <laughs> celebrated the Passover. The day after the Passover, that very day, they ate some of the produce of the land, unleavened bread and roasted grain. The manna stopped the day after they ate this food from the land. There was no longer any manna for the Israelites, but that year they ate the produce of Canaan. I'm, I really want to just talk with you, have a conversation, if you don't mind, for a few moments from the topic, think before you leap. Think before you leap. And I'm really going to build it from four questions for seizing and maximizing a new year. Four questions for seizing and maximizing a new year. Father, thank you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation and your grace that's already here. The faith to seize and maximize all you've given us. We receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Like many of you, you know, facing a new year here this first Sunday of the new year, first day of the new year. My heart, like your heart, is probably filled with a lot of excitement and amazement for this year because we know with the new year comes some God-sized possibilities and opportunities that we can seize, that we can maximize, that we can take advantage of. However, unlike probably most pastors and most ministries on today, where typically the first Sunday message of a new year deals with new vision, new focus, and all things being made new, which I understand, I wholeheartedly subscribe. I don't feel impressed to go that direction. I feel impressed and I feel greatly influenced by God to challenge us as it relates to asking and answering specific questions 
that are designed to lead us into season and maximizing a new year. Because many people are hurriedly, anxiously, borderline recklessly rushing into the new year without any thought, without any prayerfulness. And they're going to set themselves up for failure because the only thing they're going to do is repeat and repackage this year in different ways and with different people. And I don't want that to be named among us, that we would take a few moments, gather ourselves mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and look at the text this morning. And even though God presents the story in the context of actions, I feel safe that we can extract out of the text four questions that are designed for us to ask and answer in such a way that it guarantees that you and I can seize, maximize, and take full advantage of everything God has purposed and planned for us this year. Do I have any witnesses? Because what I don't want to do, and maybe it's just me, what I don't want to do is just leap into this year off my own frustration from last year. I don't want to leap into this year off my own assumptions from last year. I don't want to just leap into this year from my own emotions, nor do I want to leap into this year off whatever revelation I may have. I want to leap into this year thoughtfully and prayerfully and strategically so that when I hit the ground running, I'm running with a, le a measure of clarity and conviction because I'm not guessing. Because I still believe one of the words for us prophetically this year is going to be acceleration. And if God is going to move faster, then that means I ain't going to have time to second guess if I'm hearing from God. And so I just want to pose four questions, thoughtful questions. Hopefully they will bless you like they blessed me in preparing for this message. And we will be out your way. The children of Israel find themselves on the verge of being settled into the promised land, Canaan land, the promised land, the land of promise, a new place. After 430 years of slavery, 40 years in the wilderness, you would think that God would just quickly settle his people down into the fulfillment of a prophetic declaration. But on the verge of a new door, new beginning, a fresh start, he doesn't just settle them down, Ike. He influences, navigates at least four actions, four questions for us before letting them go in to a new beginning and in a fresh start. And I want to extract them, if you don't mind. Number one, number one, and let me give you this before I say this. Part of the reason I think this is significant is because whenever you look at whatever God has promised and purposed, before you can take possession of it, he always makes sure you are compatible for it. See, he's going to make sure you and I are compatible for what we're trying to possess. <laughs> Just kind of let that marinate. Before God let us take possession of what he has purposed and promised, or even what we're praying for, he's going to make sure we're compatible for it. That's why he takes you through certain processes, because he's trying to make sure there's compatibility with what he's giving. Because he understands if we're not compatible for what he's about to give us, then we're going to waste it. Or 
was designed to bless us becoming idols. This is why the greatest discernment that you really need is to know really if what you're calling a blessing came from the hand of the blessed one. Sometimes you can get so stuck on what you are receiving that you don't see the hand that's feeding you. You got me? So let's so he wants to make sure we're compatible. Four questions. Number one, the first question is elimination. What do I need to eliminate in order to be more effective this year? What do I need to eliminate to be more effective this year? This group of men wasn't circumcised. They were born in the wilderness. So this is the second generation of Israelites, the first generation of Israelites, those who actually came out of Egyptian slavery. These are their descendants. These are their sons or grandsons who were born in the wilderness. So they were never circumcised. Circumcision was something that God's people did on the eighth day to the male baby. They would circumcise them. So here you have grown men about 20 plus years of age who've never been circumcised. And God tells Joshua, make you a flint knife and cut on every grown man. That alone, all the brothers' face just went like they were sucking on a lemon. They just went like, <laughs> I mean, make flint knives and circumcise. Because I, I, if I was, Kenneth, you could share this when you with, with your men's, um, with your men's fellowship. When, if I was with the brothers, I'd talk about how it takes another man of God to circumcise a man. And the problem is most men in church hadn't been circumcised by a man. They've been emasculated by church, but not circumcised by a man of God. Because church is a mother. And most men in church have been mothered, but not circumcised because that's a father's job and and so (laughs) and so he says circumcise these these men and circumcision was a way one of the reasons i know that medicinal health um things that we can attach uh, attach to it but one of the reasons circumcision was significant was because it was designed to increase potency for fruitfulness to increase the possibility and the probability for reproduction, for fruitfulness, to cut away the excess flesh. Spiritually speaking, fruitfulness deals with manifesting or producing more of God's character and purpose in your life. So when we say, what do I need to eliminate? What do I need to cut off in my life to be more fruitful this year? Who do I need to cut off to be more fruitful? Because I've given this before, the secret to concentration is elimination. You only as focus as much flesh as you have in your life. You only as focus as much flesh you have in your life. And by flesh, I'm not talking about your life alone. I'm talking about my life and everybody else who's around me. Because it is possible for me to be circumcised, but the people around me never be circumcised. So it's more flesh around me. And so what happens is before I can leap into this year, I need to ask myself, what do I 
need to eliminate in order to be more fruitful. Because everybody want to be fruitful, but nobody want to want to have anything cut out of their life. And what do I need to limit and, and, and understand? And I, I know that sounds harsh, but watch this. When I say eliminate, I'm not even necessarily always talking about total removal. Elimination can simply be repositioning. Elimination can simply mean this person used to be first in 2016, but this year they need to be number three. I can't be at their beck and call this year because it, it hinders me from being fruitful. You were called to be fruitful, created to be fruitful, changed to be fruitful, but flesh can prevent you from being fruitful. And this is the time right now to ask yourself, what do I need to eliminate? Who do I need to eliminate? What actions do I need to stop? What people? And, you know, you can think real fast right now because I don't even want to leave this to when you get home. There are at least two people right now you need to eliminate or reposition if you're going to be more fruitful this year. You don't even got to think hard. Write their names down right now. On your tablet, on your phone, on your paper. It's if you're going to be more fruitful. It's, it's two people you know right now, yeah, I need to either cut them completely out of my life or maybe I need to reposition. Some of y'all are like, that's the verb. For the, I can go home right now. I ain't say send him a text right now. The pastor just told me to kick you out my life. <laughs> I ain't say send him a text. It's just, see, watch this. Can I tell you one of the reasons some of us are unfruitful? We're too available. You're too available. You, you're so available that your life is boring. And, that, and, that, and that's it. You're too available. Now, I mean, now let me get out of this. You just get too available. And so, so you're not productive because you're just too available. Who can find a virtuous woman? Isn't that the question in Proverbs 31? Who can find a virtuous woman? You want to know why you got to ask the question? Because she's not easily found. The most precious jewels you got to dig for. So if you're easily available for him, I know you're not virtuous. The level of your availability advertises the level of worth you have about yourself. I mean, how did that get into the message right there? And sometimes availability just simply means I ain't got nothing else to do, but I ain't doing it with you. I got nothing to do. Sometimes I'm saving myself for what? For work. I got a long week. But what you doing right now? Nothing. Can I come over? No. Do you want to go out? No. What are you doing? I'm having a good time with me, myself, and my God. I got pajamas. I ain't got to worry about putting on makeup. I ain't got to get my hair done. I ain't brush my teeth. I don't have lotion on. But I love my unkept, messy self right now. You know, I, you know what, know what I, I feel that because I was sharing with somebody last night. I am praying for you singles who, I'm praying for you singles that this is the year that your heart finds adequate, healthy, godly love. But you need to ask the question first, what do I need to eliminate, if nothing else, your anxiety about being married to be more effective. Number two, the question of interruption. The question of interruption. 
where do I need to slow down so that God can heal me this year? <laughs> because if you've been cut on, you've been circumcised, oh, you need to slow down. <laughs> you can't walk like you used to walk. <laughs> you can't run like you used to run. And the scripture says that God brought an entire nation to a standstill, Michael. Now, watch this. Remember, they're used to being on the move. They're used to life always happening. They're used to always going. And God says, because I cut on you, you need time to heal up. So everybody just stop. Everybody just unpack your tents. Just pitch them right there and everybody get somewhere. It's almost as if God put Kelvin in the text. Just get somewhere and just sat down. Everybody, every tribe, Dan, Naphtali, Zebulon, all y'all, Issachar, get somewhere and just sat down. He brought them to a standstill. Now, here's what he's telling us. I am not going to bring open wounds into a new place. I'm not bringing unhealed, undeveloped people into a new place where you can just bleed all over something that's new. Where you can muddy and mess up a new opportunity because you're hemorrhaging. Get somewhere. I'm going to slow you down. So you can heal up. And oftentimes, this translates for us where we can allow busyness to mask our hurt. And so we hide behind busyness. And God says, no, where do you need to slow down because you got a wound? Watch this. Some of you are hurt financially. Just just because of the wounds that last year took out of you financially. Slow down. Don't be quick to just start spending right now. Slow down, heal up, get your money back. Some of you are hurt mentally or emotionally because of relational issues. Slow down. Take the time to heal up. Some some of you are hurt spiritually in your walk with God because you feel like, I know I heard from God, it didn't come through. Slow down, gather yourself. Where do I need to slow down? Some of you thought by now you'll be further in your um, career. You thought by now that, you know, that person, surely they got promoted, so now I'm next in line to get promoted. Things hadn't worked out. You didn't get the promotion. You ain't get, you ain't get the title. You ain't get this. And so now in your career, you feel like you just at a standstill. So there's a wound there professionally. Slow down. Don't take the attitude. Well, I'm just leaving this job now. No, because you're going to go to a new place and then you're just going to vomit all over it. And the new place is going to have the stench of your old place. So take the time to heal up. I'll never forget um, on a college campus. I told y'all, Chris was sweating me since 1992. And so I saw the, little, I saw the book y'all gave me uh, with the Ro- Pastor Roy-ism, things that Pastor Roy says all the time. And in the book, it was like, she's been sweating me since 1992. But she was, sweat- she was sweating me. And so I'm just telling the truth. Y'all put it in the book. And y'all don't lie because y'all Christians. And so she was, she, was sweat- she was sweating me. And so our three years on the college campus, we were so emotionally unhealthy and jacked up, it just, was, it, just, it just was a mess emotionally. 
And so in 1995, leadership training school, NGM Campus Ministries, Virginia Commonwealth University, in an early morning prayer session as we would congregate um, throughout the summer, college students from various campuses would come, training, equipping on how to transform our colleges from a bibliocentric worldview. And so we would come there. In 1995, prayer session, God shows up strong and mighty. We're weeping, we're bawling, and, and, and the fear of the Lord comes upon me. The fear of the Lord hits her in this small little room, and we, and we just knew something had changed. And we go out, and, and we sit down, and we talk. I remember her sitting before me and sitting in the grass, and I'm sitting in the grass. We look at each other, snot coming out of both of our nose because the fear of the Lord is on us. We were pinning to each other for being just emotionally jacked up, for emotionally violating each other, for um, being so emotionally tangled up at a level that's reserved for our spouses. So we're repenting to each other, and then the next thing you know, you know, we say, okay, we're going to be friends. We got to go back to college campus. We're still going to do ministry. We still got to lead the college campus. So this happened in 1995, and I knew I loved her. I knew she loved me by how she had been sweating me. And so we, we go through this whole year of just not even really talking to each other and not knowing what we're going to do. And then we graduated in 96, and then next thing you know, in, in the beginning of 97, you know, I'm saying, you know, let's get married. And she's like, what? What do you mean, let's get married? We ain't really talked or had any type of interaction. What do you mean, get married? Let's get married because I, you it. Yeah, I want to marry you. Let's get married. And December the 6th is going to be our wedding day. The Lord done told me. <laughs> now, fast forward. Three kids later, we happily married going into our 20th year this year. My point... Uh, my point is, even before we could get married, I look at the fact of how much God slowed us down to get here. I'm going to slow you down so you can get emotionally here. I mean, I'm not even saying you can't spend your future together, but you won't spend your future together in that unhealthy place. Because if we'd have got married right off the heels of that college campus stuff, we wouldn't be here. There wouldn't be a Discover Life Church. There would, wouldn't, wouldn't be that. But I thank God that God loves us enough to say slow down and get here. Amen? Number three, am I helping anybody? Make, number three, the question of reflection. Reflection. Oh, before you do that, this is what I put in my notes. I might have to give myself another offering. Watch this. We must be made whole in order to see and seize the whole year. We'll have as much as we're willing to be healed. Your depth of healing is going to determine your depth of possessing. You're only going to have as much as you're willing to be healed. Because crippled hands can only hold so much. You see, see, I need to be made whole so I can get the whole pie. But if I got crippled hands, then that tells you how much you can lay hold of. It's quiet in this Episcopalian, Lutheran, Presbyterian church this morning right now. Star just showed up. What type of church is that? So I don't know, Star. Number three, here we go. Reflection. What do I need to remember as a sign of God's faithfulness this year? What do I need to remember? Because the scripture says, here on the verge of a new beginning, of a new door, of a clean slate, 
fresh start, thinking before you leap. God says, celebrate the Passover. They celebrate the Passover. Passover was that night in Egyptian slavery when God says, take a lamb, slaughter it, put the blood over the doorpost. Because when the death angel fly through this night to kill the firstborn, I need to make sure the death angel know the difference between my people and the Egyptians. And so when he sees the blood, he's going to pass over. So they celebrated Passover in remembrance to the night that God brought them out of slavery, dysfunction and oppression. So from that night forward, it's always been celebrated as a remembrance of a great deliverance that God brought them out of. What do you need to remember right now? What undisputable, irrefutable evidence you need to keep at the forefront of your mind to encourage you this year? about what God has done so he can do it again. See, you need that one thing, two things right now that you say, this is my Passover. I know God did this. Because you, we just saw this, we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And what I've had to learn is you can't let nobody define for you what's a testimony. Okay. See, you can't let, see, everybody, lo- I know everybody wants the, um, what, what's, what's the Eddie Murphy show, uh, Eddie Murphy movie, you know, the bus flipped over 17 times, um, which, what is it, 48 hours, see, I know he wasn't watching TBN all his life, I knew Lee wasn't, <laughs> I knew Lee wasn't watching TBN all his life in Daystar, 48 hours, so everybody want the testimony, the car flipped over 17 times, and I've been shot at, I've been robbed, I've been left to, left for dead, and all of that. And that sounds good, and I'm not belittling that, but here, the testimony is this. I almost lost my mind last year for three months not knowing how I'm going to pay bills and how I'm going to take care of my child and how I'm going to get to work. And I almost lost my mind by this issue. But the fact that I saw this year, made it this year, that's a testimony. Well, child, that ain't no real testimony. This is a testimony. No, 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 no. Well, could it be you couldn't handle what I went through? And I need to have that evidence. You know, one of the reasons, we've said it before, one of the reasons well, they, they've changed the planning of it um, now. It used to happen every year. Now it happens every other year. Um, the retinoblastoma picnic in every other year is every other year. Um, eye cancer um, survivors, you know, Ryan was born, our middle child was born with retinoblastoma. And he survived eye cancer. He didn't take his other eye. And so one of the, re- Crystal looks at that calendar religiously and meticulously. She said, I don't care what's going on in our life. We're going to that event. And, you know, I'm like, okay, we can go, you know, same thing every year. They change the different stuff. It's a great picnic. They give you free Chick-fil-A and all this other stuff. I mean, you, I really love it. Check sodas. I, look, I, 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 I'm, I'm good. They give you a free T-shirt. You know, I'm, I always, because my joke is, all right, what color are they going to give us this year? We got every color there is, a T-shirt at the house. And her thing is, she says, I need this event as a reminder for our family about what God can do. So she said every year, she said, we go to this as a reminder of our gratitude that God saved our son from eye cancer. Now, people say, well, he lost one of his eyes, but he also got the other one. So he so and so that's what I'm saying. That's a for us. That's a testimony. And so what is it? What's your evidence this year? So when you hit challenges and when you're tempted to go into doubt and fear, you can say, you know what? Uh-uh. He he uh-uh. I know what he can do. I I I I know I know I know what he can do. You should have at least one or two things should be at the and if you gotta work hard for it, oh boy, we gotta have a counseling session. 
if you got to work hard. Because why? If nothing else, the greatest testimony is this right here. You alive. I'm going to give you this last one and I'll be done. I, have, I had a cousin who was supposed to come to um, our wedding when we got married. And he wasn't able to come. And so for the longest, Crystal would hear me talk about him. And, and she would say, I don't even think he exists. <laughs> and I didn't know how to take it. Like, you called me a liar. <laughs> so I, I know who my cousin is. It's Sean. I know who Sean is. I, I'm proud of And she's like, I don't think he exists. And um, so for the longest, she, you know, she didn't think it was like almost, um, you know, Mr. Snuffleupagus is on Sesame Street. You know, like, there's no such thing as Mr. Snuff. And so we would go to Jacksonville. And he was in military, and then he was living in other states. And so, and I, and I introduced her to, to his mom. She's still like, you know, there ain't, no, ain't nobody named Sean. I'm like, that's his mom right there. So he's like, yeah, it's right, but I don't see Sean. And so, lo and behold, when she finally met Sean, she was like, you really are alive. And I was like, he's like, yeah. He's like, I apologize. I ain't going to your wedding and all this other stuff. But I said all that because I was talking to Sean <laughs> the other day, and he said something to me that was, was very significant. I said, Happy New Year, you know, Happy Holidays. Tell all, all, the, all our family was together in Jacksonville. And he said, Cuz, because he, you know, just left the nature with how I was raised. I know some of y'all cousin, but <laughs> I'm sorry. He, I'm just, just sorry. You know, he said, Cuz, it's all good because. If I'm on this side of the dirt and I ain't six feet under, what I got to complain about? He said, that's it. And if the, good love, if the good Lord moves upon my heart to make some more money, that's a blessing. But in those few moments, I want you to hear the testimony. I'm not six feet under and I'm on this side of the dirt. What I got to complain about? And when you think about what God has done for your life, you need that evidence that you take to work, that you take to the doctor's office, that you take when you got to sit down and hear a school teacher report about your child. This is the evidence that you got to have right here and right there, that if he did it then, I don't care how far back it was, it's some testimony that you keep anchored, that you throw in the face of fear and doubt. Number four. Consumption. Consumption. What do I need to start feeding myself to maximize this year? Because on this year, when they get on the verge of a new beginning, they no longer eat manna. The manna stopped. Manna was the wilderness food which meant, what is it? It was survival food. It stopped, and they started eating the produce of Canaan, of where they were going. Hear me. The manna stopped, and God said, I want you to eat for where you're going. Because you can't change your life direction if you don't change your diet. Okay, I'm going to say that again. You can't change your life direction if you don't change what you're feeding yourself. And he said, I don't want you to eat from where you came from, and I don't even want you to eat out of the present. I want you to eat for where you're going. And hear me, in the kingdom of God, eating is believing. You believe and behave based upon what you consume. Show me where your faith is, and that's a good indication of where you've been feeding yourself. 
show me how someone lived and I'll show you what they've been feeding themselves. And this is the year and this is the time that you and I say, I'm feeding myself for my future. I'm eating for where he's promised. So I need to think about, meditate on, and digest what speaks to where God is taking me and what God has promised. Could it be that you have come into a new year, but you haven't considered the fact that you need to change your diet? I'm not even talking about just natural diet. I'm talking about even your spiritual diet. What you feed. And getting back to the root, I got I to start. I got to set my alarm clock to get up even earlier now. Because I got to get I got to get back. I got to get back to some 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 praying. And it ain't going to happen with me getting up at the same time like last year. Now, that's not for you. That may not be for you, but that's for me. I got to change my diet. I got to feed myself more worship music. I got to feed myself more moments of just sitting before the Lord. And that's where he started on that trip from Virginia. Just uh, don't listen to no music, boy. Just just in, embrace the quietness. You know why you got music? Because you got guilt in your heart. Because you know you haven't been spending the time like you watch this. You've been praying and asking for something from me on a level you're not willing to make the investment. So you've been asking me to bless you on a graduate level, but you're only making an investment on an elementary level. So I got to make my diet match what I'm believing for. Does that make sense? So that's why even 10 days prayers and consecration. God, feed me. I'm not looking at what I'm not eating. I'm looking at how much I will be eating. Feed me, feed me, because this is the time that I need to start feeding myself the right thing so I can maximize this year. Change your diet, you change your direction. Change your diet, you'll change your results. What am I feeding myself? What do I need to feed myself to maximize this year? Here, here's my big takeaway, and I'm done. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for giving me some extra time. Here's my big takeaway. Take a minute to seize the moment. That's it. Take a minute to seize the moment because everything you need to maximize this year is in that one minute that you take to answer those questions. If you would take the minute, you can seize the moment. You can seize this year. Everything that God has for you is in those one minute, is in that one minute. And in doing so, everything that God has purpose and planned this year, you can seize it. And I don't know about you, but I can't get loose and I can't shake myself from the statement, God-sized possibilities, God-sized opportunities. That's this year, but you and I got to make sure we're compatible for it. And we got to seize. I want to seize it. I don't want anything in 2017 that God has for me to be wasted or to be missed. I want it all. I want everything. E-R apostrophe T-H-A-N-G. I want everything that God has for me. I want it. I want it all. And I am telling you that this is the year. Where you are, and see, and hear me, guys, and maybe I'm, maybe I'm in overflow. I'm, I'm in this spillage mode. You are going to be more productive in less time than people 
who are trying to do more with every day this year. See, th thank you. Only a few people got what I'm saying. See, this is why I think God is saying pause. Because people think I need 365 days to do everything I'm doing. You don't need all that time to do what God wants you to do. Because this is going to be the year for some strategic rest moments. It's good. Two lumberjacks have a race. Who can chop down the most trees in six hours? Each man goes to the tree. Each man got an axe. They go. And they go for it. One man is just swinging, chopping. But he noticed that his competitor, every 20, 30 minutes, stops, goes and sits down. Then he comes back, start again. At the end of six hours, the one who kept taking those breaks had chopped down more trees than the one who didn't take the breaks. And he said, how? What? How did you chop down more? He says, it's because in those few moments, I was sharpening my axe. And you kept working, but your axe was duller. And, and, and I am saying this is a year. This is why I'm telling you think before you leap. Because this is a year where you're going to have impressions where God says, slow down. Just regroup. So that when you hit it hard for these next three weeks, it's going to allow, the, watch this, your level of satiety with your results is going to carry you for three weeks. Okay, who am, am, am I making sense? Your level of satiety with what you have produced is going to allow you to be coasting so you can have, watch this, fresh eyes for next possibilities. Because some of you, you run so hard when possibilities come, your discernment is off. Because accurate discernment can't work on tired eyes. Accurate discernment requires fresh eyes, fresh consecration. And so God is going to say, go hit it hard for these next three months. But then you're going to like, well, God, I don't feel like I'm doing anything now for the next two months. I know because I need you because I got something coming that you need fresh eyes where you can't count last season's success. So you got to look at this deal with fresh eyes. And when you get out, you're going to look back. So now vacation isn't going to be your escape from failure. But vacation really would be recharging for new possibilities. Uh-huh. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, I don't know about you. But I heard God. For you. Think before you leap. I know. This year is going to be an extraordinary, supernatural, miraculous year for you in every area of your life. So take this time, especially 10 days of prayer and fasting, to think before you leap. And I guarantee you, you're going to seize and maximize this year. I prophesy over your life, fruit, more fruit, much fruit, and fruit that shall remain. We receive it in Jesus' name.
Amen. Give God a hand clap of praise for that. 